Well, you've heard me say over the last year or so the phrase that you don't just go to church, you are the church. And I just want to bring that up to remind you of uh, really the reasons that we, we do go to church. We are the gathered uh, body of Christ together on Sunday. And the reason that we do that is, uh, one, it's fun seeing one another. It's encouraging. And two, together, we, we, it's, it's the purpose of bringing glory to God and worshiping him together on the Lord's Day on Sunday. And so that's so, so important. But then to remember that we are the church, that as we scatter throughout the community as individuals throughout the week, we serve a very important function. We're the body of Christ. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. And when he is with us, uh, wherever we go, he goes. And to be mindful and prayerful about that. So uh, this morning, we're going to talk about that. It kind of where we're going today, today is, is going to help us do that, to be the scattered church as we go throughout our weeks. Uh, we're in the middle of a series today called Jesus Says, and each week we've been highlighting statements that Jesus makes about himself. This is kind of Jesus on Jesus. And it's amazing that even in today's age, you know, there's still some controversy about Jesus is. You know, people want to argue or debate like, yeah, did Jesus really think that he was the son of God or who was he? Was he just a, you know, a prophet or a revolutionary or whatever? Well, this is Jesus on Jesus. And there's seven of these very powerful statements that kind of give us some insight on how Jesus viewed himself. Very, very, very important for us as followers of Christ and as we consider or maybe as we're exploring Christianity and who Jesus is. Um, before I continue, you know, we're going to talk today about Jesus when he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. And I want to, you know, give a shout out to Lisa and say thank you. Um, she worked very hard to get all this artwork that we have here on these prayer cards and also on the walls and around the church out for this series. And so I'm very appreciative of that because I like these images. They help me. And uh, these prayer cards are available on that table back there, and, and I encourage you to pick one up. There's a, a short devotion on one side, and also just a, a prayer practice. And prayer comes in many different sizes and shapes. There's not just one way of praying. As Christians, it's who we're praying to that's valuable, that's important. And so this style of prayer, the prayer practice is called a breath prayer, and this week it's and it's easy. You just go, as you inhale, Jesus, you're my vine. As you exhale, it's I abide. I have to look at it. I abide in the warmth of your love. If I do this this week, I'm probably going to shorten it because I, I don't, I don't, I guess my breath is short, maybe. I'm going to say, Jesus, you're the vine. I abide in you. Jesus, you're, these are great. You know, you're sitting at the stoplight or you're waiting for your class to start. Uh, Any time that you're maybe anxious or stressed, these are really, really helpful, these kind of breath prayers. But even when you're not stressed, like I was just thinking, man, as, you, as you're falling asleep at night, it's a perfect time for that, just to get into the rhythm and into God's presence. So very, very helpful. Well, at the start of John 15, the place that we're, we're going to be reading today, some context is helpful. Jesus is surrounded by his closest followers, kind of his inner circle of disciples and and he's prepping he's going to be gone. And their relationship with Jesus is about to fundamentally change. And so that's when Jesus says this. John 15, verse 1, we'll put it on the screen for you. 
says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He continues in verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You see the theme that's developing here. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So uh, in, in classic kind of Jewish thought, uh, they repeat things often. In fact, that, that it's, it's like a way to reinforce, like, this is really important. So, so the vocabulary here, the repetition, you see it develop. Uh, things like Jesus says he's the vine, the true vine. I'll give you more about that in a second. But who are we or who are the, the, the followers of Jesus? They're the, the branches, the branches, easy. Uh, who is the gardener? The father. And then in this passage, there's lots of pruning and fruit bearing. I like fruit, don't you? course, you're supposed to say yes. Um, before we dive into that more deeply, though, I want to talk about vineyards in the Bible. There was a lot of them. And the Bible was written in a different time, in a far-off place, and uh, that means that sometimes we have to work a little bit harder to, um, you know, really, I mean, this is easy enough to understand, easy enough to get. But there's, there's always more to the story. And because we're so far removed, we kind of have to work at, at, at discovering what some of those things are. And this parable of Jesus, it's similar to the one last week uh, when we were talking about him as the good shepherd. You know, in today's world, not a lot of us are familiar with sheep herding, although there are people here in our congregation that are. Okay, I'm not going to out them, but Marla might be one of them. So last week I was looking at her often like, I hope I'm not saying the, uh, hope I'm not saying the wrong thing here. No, I, we're just not, it's in vineyard, we probably are more familiar with drinking wine, right? But at, with vineyards and viticulture, I mean, it's, this is Washington State, there's a huge industry here, and so this might be a little more familiar to us, but sheep were everywhere in biblical times, vineyards were everywhere, just everyone, even if they weren't in the industry, they would have kind of deeply understood it. And so Jesus himself talks, uh, tells a couple of vineyard parables. But with this one, he's touching on one of the most used images in the Judaism of his day to describe the relationship between God and his people Israel. But Jesus also introduces a slight but oh-so-significant twist. And as I was looking at this this week, I mean, I, I, I learned something that I'd never encountered before. It was something that the uh, Jewish historian named Josephus, all right? And Josephus, 
Uh, he's writing roughly 50 years after Jesus lived. So in the ancient world, that's extremely close. And he would have lived about the same time, I learned this week, he lived about the same time as Pliny the Elder. You know who Pliny the Elder is? I know Phil does, because we were talking about this. Pliny the Elder was the first like Roman historian, like the first encyclopedia writer. It's also a very good IPA, okay? And so that's how, oh, Pliny the Elder. This is the same time. They li- they're contemporaries, Josephus and Pliny the Elder. And uh, Josephus describes a piece of artwork that was at the temple in Jerusalem. And so there, there's these, you know, there's different courtyards of the temple, and in the middle of the temple where the big building is, that's the Holy of Holies, ain't nobody going in there except like the high priest and a couple other priests, like very sporadically. And there, so there's these steps that go up to the Holy of Holies is what it was called. And, and it's, this is a big building, okay, enormous. And a huge curtain hung down so that you couldn't see from the outside in. And above that curtain was a gigantic grapevine. The size and scale of this is difficult to comprehend. Josephus says that one of the grape clusters was the height of a person. That's a lot of gold. In fact, the wealthy citizens in Israel, they would, they would donate, you know, like, you know, we might endow a chair at a university or a museum or something like that. They would donate gold so that they could add to this gigantic grapevine. It said that the Romans, you know, paid for the building of the Colosseum with the gold plundered from Jerusalem. Now you know how. There's a lot of gold there. And uh, all throughout the Old Testament, there's different texts describing the people of Israel as vines in God's vineyard. He's the, he's the gardener. He's the, the tender of the vines. And God uh, tends the vineyard so that the people of Israel grow and are fruitful. Uh, what makes you a part of God's people is being attached to him. It's being attached to Jesus. Now, um, if he had been, you know, clearly Jesus was not a proponent of all paths lead to God. Not at all. That's kind of one of our modern religious understandings. Like, I'll just pick one and they all, they all go somewhere. Well, they might go to a God, but not to the God Almighty that Jesus knows and speaks of. And so um, you can't forget that, you know, if Jesus had said this to the crowd... I'm not sure how that would have gone over. But he's saying this to his closest followers. They're disciples of Jesus, the people who've altered their life to follow him. Um, Scholar Gary Burge, he he had this quote I found this week. I'll put this up for you. He said, these words of Jesus are guidelines for discipleship. They're They're instructions for how the disciples and the church at large ought to live out life in a world that is at odds with God's word, but nevertheless in need of it. And a disciple in its most basic essence is a learner, a pupil, someone who's learning to imitate Jesus. And those of us who still want to live a Jesus-shaped life, we hear these words today 
We've got to stay connected to Jesus. So if Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener, you and I are what? Branches. We're branches. I'm a branch. You're a branch. Uh, I joked last week about Jesus tattoos. You know, people get the cute little ichthus fish. I want to see this one, right? I want to see the branch. Like, oh, what's that on your arm? Oh, it's a stick for me to club you. No, I'm a branch. I'm reminding myself, my place in God's kingdom. I got to stay connected to Jesus. Okay, just kidding. Don't get a tattoo. Unless you want to. All right. So just a couple weeks ago, Corey and I were out in our yard, and there's always, you know, this time of year, it's fun, but there's always a lot to do. If, if you're yard people like we are, we, we enjoy our yard, we have lots of plants. And so um, Corey is trying to prune, our, we have this grape vine, actually, there's actually two, two grape plants, um, and every year I look at this thing, and I'm like, how on earth does it grow this much each year? And so you start, you know, cutting away branches, and, and I'm always, it's like, I'm going to kill this thing, right? Have you ever had to prune a grapevine? I mean, you cut it back to the nubbins. Like, you're always like, really? Is, do I cut this much off? It's nerve-wracking. And then, for whatever reason, this particular grape is like the last thing in our yard to ever exhibit any sign of life. And so you're, every year it's like, ah, I killed it this year. Nope. They are prodigious in their amount of growth that they um, will grow every year. That's just how they are. Lots and lots and lots of branches. So in Jesus' metaphor, he's the vine, the father's the gardener. What happens to branches that don't stay connected to the vine? They wither or they get cut off. Whenever I read parables like this, I don't know if this is just me or like everybody does this, but, but I, I, I see that and I'm like, yikes, Jesus, that sounds extremely harsh. I guess the message is don't be one of those branches, amen? But don't get hung up on this. Think about it from the gardener's point of view. If you've got a, a branch that is withered or died, it, it's not doing it, it's, it's already dead. Or if you've got a branch that's just growing and growing and growing and growing and it never sets any fruit. I mean, that happens. What's that branch doing? It's just sucking energy away from the rest of the grapes. So you cut it off. This is a metaphor, I remind you. But I kind of wonder what the disciples did at this point. They turned and looked at Judas, didn't they? Right? Like, oh, you're that vine, aren't you? I mean, with judgment filling their eyes. No, I doubt that that happened. This is not a veiled threat from Jesus. The emphasis here is, is on the, the connectedness. It's really an observation that Jesus is making about spiritual life. And one of the things that I love about Jesus, you know, he's not afraid to call us out. Jesus is not afraid to challenge me or challenge you or challenge us. And he has this incredible way of creating an environment that's incredibly welcoming and inviting, while at the same time is also extremely challenging. I mean, Jesus would make a terrible motivational speaker. I mean, think about this. He's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. I believe in you. And if you don't, you get cut off and we'll throw you in the fire. 
Like, what? Jesus, what are you, where are you going with this? But as a follower of Jesus, when you hear this, does it make you feel threatened? No. He's speaking to his followers. When you hear this as a follower, it encourages you to stay connected, to abide, to remain in Jesus. And Jesus is so welcoming. I mean, throughout his life in the Gospels, you see him connecting with, uh, you know, there's all of the elites, there's all of the powerful people and the folks who are influential, connects with them, they want to be around him. But the people who are drawn to Jesus are the lepers, you know, the people on the margins of society, the outcasts. It's people like adulterers, folks who, you know, most of us would write off, like made some bad decisions in life of your own accord. So you kind of, you know, you made your own bed. Now you're going to get to sleep. But no, Jesus, they're, they're drawn to Jesus. They, they're welcomed by Jesus. I mean, people, <laughs> thieves and criminals feel comfortable around Jesus, along with people who cheat on their taxes along with people who lose their temper and yell at their mom or yell at their spouse. People feel comfortable around Jesus who are, you know, spreading mostly true things about other people at school or work. I mean, none of us has ever gossiped, have we? People are drawn to Jesus. He invites every single one of us to come as you are, but grow grow in new ways. And you think about the woman caught in adultery. You know, uh, there's this lady who's these, you know, people, guys catching adultery. Don't ask me how. And they throw her in front of Jesus and they're trying to trap him. You know, hey, the law says to stone her. What are you going to do, Jesus? And Jesus says, well, go ahead and throw the first rock, all of you who have never sinned. And all the hypocrites left. We're all hypocrites. And then he says, what to the woman caught in adultery? Does he say, oh, Jesus loves you? No, he says, go and sin no more. Do you think she ever committed adultery again? We'll have no way of knowing. But I tell you what, if that was me, uh-uh, changed life. I got a fresh start, I'm starting over, I'm living a new way. That's what Jesus does for you, for me, for everyone. He's incredibly inviting, but also extremely challenging. And the fruit that God wants to grow in our lives, it's this transformation of character. There's a couple ways to look at this. One is, is, is that. It's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit, as the Scripture would call it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is always where I get nervous because I think, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget one and I'm a pastor, I can't do that. Goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. But, but it's this transformation of who you and I are from the inside out. That's one kind of fruit. Another way to look at the fruit that, that is, if we stay connected to Jesus, this is just going to happen in our life. It's a byproduct of being connected to him it's like our life is bearing fruit. You know, have you ever been around someone who just seems to bring the best out in you? Or whenever you're around them, you're just like, I'm just a better version of myself. That's kind of like what I'm talking about here. This is, this is who God wants to make us into. He wants to help us become the kind of people 
that make an impact in the world, in our families, our friendships, neighborhoods, workplaces, schools. You know, in Jesus' name, we get to help establish a more caring and just world. We get to introduce people to Jesus who may have been never known him or may have been disconnected from him. What an honor that is. And uh, I appreciate Paul Metzger. He's a biblical theologian. His definition of fruitfulness is like this. He says, we'll put this on the screen for you too. Just as Jesus is turning me into someone renewed and transformed in relationship to him, Jesus is also doing his relational work through me. It's not how much I do, but how dependent I am on him. And his word, as I relate to others, that makes the biggest impact, bears the most abundant fruit to the glory of God and shows that I am Jesus' disciples. One of his disciples. So the way, the only way that sort of transformation happens in a human being is by being connected to the vine. It's by remaining or abiding or whatever word image you want to use to describe the same thing it's a sense of oneness or it is a oneness with jesus himself so how does a person do that how does a follower of jesus sustain that kind of relationship how do we cultivate that in a relationship with god and jesus christ well verse four it says no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, these verses of Jesus, it's not that he's saying independence is a bad thing, although he is. But being independent, we all, we all know that's a good thing. Uh, you know, being self-sufficient is, and reliant is great to a point. But me personally, I always have to fight the temptation to just want to be isolated, which is not the same, I don't think, as independence. Uh, there's this false belief sometimes in me that uh, I don't really need other people, but the truth is, I do. I think about this with Corey and I as parents, you know, one of the things that we want for our kids, or like as we think about parenting, like here's the goal of parenting. We want our kids to be independent adults. How can we help foster that? But in wanting that, in no way, shape, or form, you know, we still want a relationship with our kids when they're adults, but it's going to look a lot different than it did when they were four years old. And, and all of us at some point has probably said or thought, you know, I really don't need you, mom or dad. But we do. We do, and we know it. The same thing goes on in our relationship with God. I mean, uh, I am the child, and I have this tendency to tell God that I really don't need him. Maybe I don't tell him that, but uh, maybe I think it, or maybe I live in such a way that I it's just like, I don't need God. I'm doing fine without you. But I do. And all of us know it in the back of our mind. You know, if I look back on times in my life when I wasn't real connected to the vine, 
you know, I wasn't abiding in Jesus, without a doubt, those are the seasons that are marked by a kind of, I, I, I mean, a withering, really, in my soul. Those are the, the seasons in life that I look back on and go, yeah, that wasn't real fruitful. But the good news about Jesus, the good news about the gardener, is that they can heal branches that have been disconnected from the vine. They, they can actually reattach branches that have, for whatever reason, been disconnected. That's the power of Christ, the power of God. And that life that we all so def- desperately want to find, it comes through the vine. It comes through that connection. And at any point, if we look and we're like, man, I'm, I'm not connected. It's not that Jesus is saying, oh, look out, here comes the pruning shears or the cutter. Like, no, that's a prompt in us to want to find that life again. So practically speaking, what helps you stay connected to Jesus? Keep doing that or do more of it. This is the point when I, as your pastor, say you're supposed to read your Bible more often. You're supposed to pray for longer lengths of time. In fact, breath prayers, that's just not good enough, right? Uh, this is the point when I, as your pastor, I'm telling you, know, I'm supposed to list off all of these things. Yes, but the reason is not to impress God or your Christian friends or anyone else. It's to... It's for that connectedness. We need it. You know, there's so many different technology tools now to help you stay connected to, like, Bible reading. You know, the, the, the YouVersion Bible, the Bible app. The thing's awesome. There's so many different kinds of reading plans. Uh, you can have it read to you if you're doing something else. I, you know, there's He Reads Truth, She Reads Truth apps that are great Bible Uh, study tools. Man, if you're sensing like I want that or I need that in my life, do it. Uh, I love podcasts. For me, the thing, the prayer, prayer thing in my life now that has been getting the most traction and it, it changes. In your seasons of life, it changes. But sometimes you have a practice that might run all the way through. I don't know. But the one that's working for me, me right now is called Pray As You Go. It's a podcast. They're British. They're also Catholic. It's kind of novel to me. But I, 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 I listen to this. It's about 10 minutes long as I walk my dog in the morning or I drop my kids off at school and I sit in the parking lot. It usually has a piece of scripture. It has some prayer prompts. Man, it helps me just start my day connected. It's good. Find one of those things and do it. You know, coming to church, this wasn't as real to us two years ago until it is now. This is something that helps us stay connected. And it looked a lot different over the last couple years, and I've heard from lots of people. Some people loved that. In fact, they're still probably at home. Other people, man, it was really difficult, really hard on their relationship with Christ. And it makes us realize like how important this gathering, this time each week really is. It helps us stay connected. Lean into it. 
do it, join a group, whatever that is, keep abiding. And, um, you know, one of the things that I want us to be aware of, or one of the things that we fight in this whole abiding thing, and really with this parable that Jesus is talking about, <clears throat> another way to look at this is, is our life has rhythms, our life has seasons. There's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly rhythms to all of our lives. And uh, as we abide in Jesus, one of the things that that abiding is, is it's, it's, it's a really a kind of resting. You know, biblically speaking, resting and the presence of God are deeply connected. There's a reason why on the seventh day of creation, God institutes the Sabbath and says, rest. And um, we've learned to rest. Our, our, our society isn't really good at knowing how to rest. And we've learned what we think is rest is probably more like recovery. You know, we, we get to the end of our tank and we crash. Oh, I need to fill up the tank again. That's not really the kind of rest that God wants for us. The kind of rest that, that in biblical vision is like my activity and my work flow out of this deep sense of abiding and this deep sense of rest. And sure, I get to the end of my work week or whatever, and I need to recover. Um, but, it, but it's not this kind of, I've, I've just, I'm all out of gas and now I crash. You know what I mean? So for me, honestly, this is one of the challenges where I'm at right now. How can I do this to my life so that I get that? Because I need that in my, in my work day and not just filling my, 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 the end of my day with activity, but to actually think of it as like, this is rest where I'm, where I'm filling up again. I, how I look at my week and my month and my vacations and all of this. And it's hard. I'm like, man, I, I mean, there are definitely seasons where it's like, yeah, this, there's no rest. But I'm learning to go, okay, so when is this season coming to an end? Because I'm going to need some recovery. I might even need some play and some recreation after that so that I can rest and this cycle starts again. We're talking about farming here. Grapes don't grow year-round. They lay fallow for a season. How, is that reflected in our lives and how can we get there? And um, this sounds awesome and, until you think about what Jesus is talking about here. <laughs> He's talking about pruning. Pruning is normal and natural for a follower of Jesus. And for some of us, I dare say all of us, uh, in the busy United States, to get to this point of rest and abiding, this deep sense of abiding, we're going to have to prune some things out. What does that mean? I don't know. What would that look like for you? Pruning is a way to like refocus and reprioritize. It might be a good thing, but maybe I don't need this in my life. 
Maybe that's a part of my day, week, month, whatever. It, it's a, there's a lot of energy going into that growth, but there's not a lot of fruit. What is that for you? Prune it. It hurts at first. It might feel kind of severe. But what happens after you prune? It's explosive, amazing growth. And so as we think about, you know, parables like this and what Jesus is saying and how do I live this out in my daily life, we kind of head down these sorts of lines. The rhythm, the, the, the way that every day that I'm living my life or week or month or whatever, I'm staying connected to Jesus and there's a discipline that there's a sense of abiding and it's not because I have to do it, it's because I want to do it. And when I live like this way, my life is qualitatively different. And everybody sees that. Those are the kind of people that I want to be around, that God is working through, that the Spirit is alive and present in. This is where we want to get to as the branches connected to the line. And the last thing that I want to say about this this morning, we'll we'll close and head into communion. So if you need to head back and grab your kids, go ahead and do so now. Um, It's just the observation that these branches, we think of this as individuals, There's a lot of branches on a grapevine. Branches don't grow alone. There isn't just one cluster of grape on one branch. There's lots of fruitfulness. And so as we live into this and as we do this together, fruit will grow. Let's do that. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we know that we not only need to be connected to you, we need to be connected to one another. We need to love one another. Help us to start doing that again. Man, this feels like a new day and a new season. Uh, April 2022. It's different than April 2021 and 2020. Man, we're thankful for that, Lord. But as we kind of restart in a lot of ways. Help us to have great priorities. The priority to stay connected and to look at our life. Maybe we need to prune some things out so that we can abide in you in a deeper and more life-giving way. But maybe we need to prune some things out so that we can stay connected to one another. Help us to do that. Give us great, great discernment, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit to abide, to rest in you. We pray this in your holy name.